Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I have been noticing, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I bet you have because you're clever. You're dashed clever this way. That um, the messaging around vaccinations uh, has had an ongoing PR problem in that it has been, uh, um, I, I think maybe PR people might call it messy. It's been a bit messy. Yeah, um, it, it, it's one of those things um, in, in listeners, Nia is making reference uh, to the fact uh, that here we are uh, at the time of recording. We are now well over a year and a half into the US version of COVID-19. <laughs> right, wear masks, don't wear masks. Um, wear a mask, but wear this kind of mask and not that kind of mask. Everybody should get a vaccination, but we're going to start with our medical staff because that seems like a good idea in case it doesn't work. We'll kill all of them off and then nobody can give us medical care. Um, I don't know why the United States did that. Other countries started with their old people. That seems kind of dangerous too. Hey, let's inoculate old people in case it doesn't work. Um, but it does work. The vaccines work. But like, don't give it to pregnant women, give it to pregnant women, don't give it to the immunocompromised, give it to the immunocompromised. And then now there's talk about boosters and all yeah, this kind of stuff. And I know boost? that part of it is because the science changes, right? From yes. as they find out more and as more studies are done, then they know how things are passed. Like at first they had you wiping down all your, remember when you had to wipe down your groceries? Yes. Yeah, and I now remember. they're like, oh, it turns out it doesn't really live on surfaces that long. Yes. But so I guess. Yeah, I, I, I remember that in the first few months of COVID-19, you know, for those of us who like to exercise outdoors, we were actually told you had to wear a mask, right. which for many of us who like to run or buy, bicycle outdoors, we we're like, we got to wear a mask to do this stuff, <laughs> right? Now they're just like. Being outdoors is probably the safest place right. to be to be maskless. Exactly. Right? And they'd like you to make your indoors as much as outdoor as you can. They'd like you to ventilate. Yes. Okay. Whatever spot you're in. So a lot of a, a, a lot of the difficulty in, in there's a lot of a lot of ways to unpack the issue of how does the government during a pandemic, okay? Um, convey information so that the public, okay, um, can not be harmed by, um, you know, in this instance, COVID-19, right? Because it's a public health crisis, right? Right. So the job or the job for the government is to, if you will, come up with public health solutions that mitigate the harm, Right. So, you know, for our listeners, if it sounds like you're getting a decidedly homeland security and emergency preparedness 
you know, world take on this. Okay. <laughs> you are. Please, please recall, okay, that Nia, uh, one of her degrees is a master's degree in Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. And also remember, too, um, for a good chunk of my professional career, I was a faculty member in a Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness uh, department, academic department. But, and chair know, for quite a while. Well, we so, were chair for, for it, a number of years, right? So it's so, not like it wasn't central to both of our sort of keeping you awake at night, all the things you worry about kind of thing. Yes. And pandemic was one of those. Pandemic was because pandemic is so hard to stop. As both President Trump and President Biden have found out, like, it's not a partisan issue. Pandemics are not a partisan issue in the sense of, oh, well, only Republicans are going to get sick or only Democrats are going to get sick. Like, that's ridiculous, right? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, and so I would put that I think that the ever-evolving standards have made both presidents look mildly oh, in a, in, ineffectual. Yeah, I mean, and... and not that they didn't, and I honestly believe that both of those men would have stopped the pandemic in a day if they could have figured out how. Like, I don't, I believe that both of them did not want Americans to die in the hundreds of thousands. They did not want to have to shut down economies. They didn't want to have to do all that stuff because what president wants that on their, on on their record? Right. Yeah, like, I mean, they, yeah. yeah, I mean, when they, I was president, we lost 80 billion, million, zillion dollars out of the economy. Go me. I mean, like, that's not. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Nia, you're, you're well aware of this. I, uh, one of the American presidents I've been long fascinated by is Herbert Hoover. Um, and uh, Hoover was president when the Great Depression hit. Um, and, 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 and I've said this a, a number of times and people rolled their eyes. If you look at Herbert Hoover's career, he was an exemplary public servant, except for the fact that on his watch, the Great Depression commenced, right? right? Um, but, you know, this is the guy who is credited with saving millions of lives because he came up with the food program during World War I, okay? Um, this was a guy who, after he was president, okay, was employed by Presidents Truman and Eisenhower, okay, to reorganize the executive branch of the U.S. government, okay? <laughs> he was a great manager, right? okay? But on his watch, the Great Depression occurred, right? Um, so he's forever going to be, you know, labeled the guy who wouldn't respond to the suffering of the Great Depression. No president wants that, right? right. No president wants to be known Okay, as the guy or the person, okay, who while they were president, okay, you know, the country, you know, faltered. Okay. Well, no president war. wants to be known for Hoovervilles. Yes, right. Which were homeless camps, basically. Yes. yes. So, like, okay. nobody, just like the mayor of LA would love to clean up homelessness in LA. A mayor, some mayor, any mayor would like to do that because can you imagine having that achievement on your on your resume? Your next stop is either the Senate or the White House. Like, 
Yeah. Okay. If you could so, end homelessness in LA, but getting aside from all that, because that's but but we're, we're we're talking about here a lot of it is messaging, and I want to ask you: Did did President Washington have a PR guy? Uh, no, uh, our our first president, George Washington, did not have a public relations person. He did he didn't have a press secretary. Okay, <laughs> he didn't have a director for the Office of Communications. Okay, the, the idea that in government there would be public relations people really did not arise until during and after the Civil War. Okay. okay. So for a long time, presidents got by without having yeah, to, I, and I quote, talk directly to the people, I right? Mean, which it, is what which is what the, you're trying to do when you're messaging out of the White House is you're trying to bypass media other and other and other institutions to speak directly to the people right so until and, then nobody wanted to speak directly to the people well and also <laughs> well but also too, remember nia um uh with a few notable exceptions most presidents okay and for that matter the executive branch of the u.s government was not the dominant branch oh, remember right. it would have been congress it was congress Okay, certainly not the courts. Okay, I mean, <laughs> well, remember, the courts at the beginning were a, you were saying they were like a afterthought. It was, a, it was oh, not a desirable, I guess we need some courts and it wasn't a desirable job. I mean, yeah, remember, I'm gonna need you to ride all over the United States on horseback and yeah, remember the United States Supreme Court doesn't get its own building until 1935. Yeah, I mean, okay, I mean, you know. In, 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 in bureaucratic boys, politics, they've moved up, haven't they? Yeah. Okay. But in bureaucratic politics, if you don't have your own building, okay, you can go <laughs> ahead. I mean, that sends a very, that sends a very clear message. Right? I see. Yeah. But you have okay. a building. Okay. Well, then you're not important. I mean, oh, think, my goodness. I mean, think about this, Nia. Okay. Within our own little world of of bureaucratic politics at VCU, right? If you don't have your own office, okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, it says so much about what the institute, how the institution values your position. And, right? and uh, if your office is in one of the older, like leakier buildings and oh, yeah. all that other kind of stuff, that says something different than if you're in one of the sort of you know, woo-woo, nicer, yeah, right. I mean, and, 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 is your, and is your office close to posi positions of authority? Right. Okay. You know, the, the old maxim in, in, in real estate, location, 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 right? If you're so, not, so, but I mean, go back to, to this idea of public relations. And, and I've had students, particularly those students whose uh, major or their you know, second major or their minor is mass communications. Okay, well, go ahead and ask me, okay, why should the government, okay, be concerned about the messages it sends to the public? And I said, and, and, and I frequently respond with, okay, guys, the underlying theory of most Western democracies is what's known as the social contract theory. The social contract theory says that the public, okay, 
hires others to govern. In exchange, the public gets things like order, stability, security, et cetera, et cetera. But to make decisions about who to hire for positions in government, the public needs information. So at some point, the government has to convey what they've been doing, how they've been doing it, right. why they've been doing it. Or not. Or like not. we didn't do this thing because yeah, the following so, reasons, so that they don't get blamed for not doing a thing. That's right. You can get in as much trouble for not doing a thing as for doing the wrong thing. So as Hoover apply, found out. So again, apply this now to something like COVID-19. In Nia, we started this episode with okay, um, the, the 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 claim. How has has the government done an effective public relations job? in regards to COVID-19? And according to many, the answer is not all that well. <laughs> right. Not all that I, well. I don't, I, there's so much to unpack with that, right? Because the first thing that you have to sort of get at is the idea of who are you even trying to reach, right? And and how do you tailor a, how do you how do you have a broad enough message that it reaches everybody but specific enough that it targets specific groups that you needed to target it's a lot of it's it's hard it's a complicated thing and i'm assuming that there are a lot of years of history of trying to get it right and trying to build yeah, how I mean, one does that and how one does that legally, because I'm assuming there are things that the government cannot. I, I mean, are there limitations on what the government can release information wise or what the government can promote? Um, well, I mean, in there, what you're talking about. OK, so first of all, what can the government do in regards to uh, public relations? Right. right? So are there limitations? Now, there are certain limitations, okay? So for instance, um, as uh, we've discussed in previous podcast episodes, when you have things like um, the Freedom of Information Act or the Sunshine, uh, the Sunshine Act, okay? You know, the, this, this idea that there is certain government information that can be kept secret, okay? Right. If it's going to endanger people's lives, if it's going to endanger ongoing operations, operations. Okay, um, cetera, if, it's, et if it releases people's medical information, then yes. those okay. things are not to be released. That's right. Okay. So the CIA may very well have had people stare at goats trying to make them pass out, but I bet they could hide behind HIPAA and not tell you. There is that. They could also... <laughs> <laughs> they could I'm also just saying... Get, well, they could also go ahead and say, this is part of us trying to figure out how to best collect intelligence um, against uh, enemies, both domestic mm -hmm. and foreign. Okay. Right. But then you also have budgetary constraints, right? Okay. 
Congress may not allow the executive branch to release certain information, right? Because of so, budget? Well, the, you know, the Congress can go ahead and say to a federal agency, you, you, know, we're, you, you don't have the money okay, to go ahead and tell people about X, even oh, if the agency you, wants to. I see. We're not going to let you print that book or that pamphlet because it's going to cost $18 million to get it to every American, and we just are not going to give you the money to do it. That's right. Or, okay. or, to, or to think about, for instance, at one point, um, the United States Congress passed uh, what was known as the uh, Gillette Amendment, okay? The Gillette Amendment was attached to the authorizing legislation for the Interstate Commerce Commission. And the Gillette Amendment basically said the Interstate Commerce Commission was not allowed to hire individuals for public relations positions. Congress was basically telling an executive branch agency, we don't want you to engage in public relations. Is that because they were worried that it would be massaged the way like the big PR firms on, uh, I'm thinking Mad Men type, you know, where they just sort of, they tell you the truth sort of kind of, but it's dressed up the way they want you to see something because... According to various mass comm scholars, there were a number of reasons why the Gillette Amendment was passed by Congress. And um, uh, one was interest groups um, didn't want certain government agencies that had regulatory authority, okay, to be publicizing their regulatory efforts, okay, <laughs> okay. So they didn't want competition. Uh, yeah. Uh, or so you want, have, so you have, say, Monsanto doesn't want the Department of Agriculture to go on some sort of PR campaign saying you shouldn't buy seeds that don't reproduce year after year. You should buy well, heirloom seeds. Or they because that could the, put Monsanto out of business. If they or didn't. they didn't want the government to go ahead and uh, demonstrate to the public that their regulatory efforts were actually achieving measurable public goods. Ah. <laughs> okay. Okay. We've brought salmon back to this river because we regulated it and blah, 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 blah. See, nice salmon. And then the people it, it, who want to capture yeah, salmon. The, yeah. Like, you know, bad government. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But That's also interesting. There, but there's also a, a larger undercurrent and you see this a little bit with um, uh, people's response to uh, the government's effort to quell uh, COVID-19. And that is um, the government engaged in propaganda. Okay. The government is trying to convince people to do things that they would not normally want to do. Okay. Through the use of propaganda. And Congress didn't want that. And there, there have been members of Congress okay, who are very skeptical of the executive branch doing that kind of thing. Well, because I guess if it were Victory Gardens, that's a good thing. But if it were the purge, that's a bad thing, right? Like how you would, 
you can't control that message because you can't control that White House. So you can't say you can only release good information or positive because you could get a government that decided that it was going to put out pamphlets that say, I, I don't know, something wildly anti-Semitic, for instance, and yes. have people assume that that's the position of the government. I see. So, yeah. okay, so part of that would be to prevent the government from endorsing activities that would not be, that could be dangerous or debilitating, not well, only to well, corporations, but to individuals. Individuals. I mean, you know, again, you know, think about how effective uh, the Nazis in Germany were at propaganda. Right. Um, and they the, had regular people believing that somehow Jews were the devil and out to get them and, and or, thus made it easier to go along with the final solution. Later. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, or, you know, the, the Soviet Union in programs, okay? Right. Um, where, you know, uh, the enemy of the state, you should go ahead, whoever the enemy of the state was that particular year, that particular decade, okay, um, uh, you should turn in, okay, those right. enemies of the state, right? Well, and in China, you see um, uh, social media points being awarded. Yes. Which, yes. if you don't get the points, there's things you can't do. So it's a way to control your population without actually appearing like to control your population. You know, it's a, it's a yeah, way yeah, to, without, you know, officially suppressing them. Right. It's a velvet glove over an iron fist. Fist. Okay. But the larger issue here for public administration scholars is the fact that the government does so much, particularly post, you know, Great Depression, post-World War II, right? The rise of the modern administrative state. And for many public administration scholars, okay, the issue is most federal government agencies are terrible at public relations, okay? Because we want the government to communicate with the public, right? Um, you know, so think about, for instance, you know, we want the government to communicate with those Americans who could receive government benefits, needy and poor people, okay, because there are federal government programs to help them, right? Right. Okay. Right. Well, apparently one of the problems with the, with the granting of money for the, um, rent relief is that a lot of people didn't know how to go about it they didn't know and then of course we had problems with the state setting up programs and there's all kinds of issues with that but but people didn't know they they were eligible i mean yeah or you know think about for instance um all those public service announcements um uh about how to get rid of child abuse spousal abuse elder abuse okay um, why, why are those public service announcements only on late night TV? Okay. Why aren't they part of, you know, primetime viewing TV? Why aren't they on, you know, social media? Okay. Or, um, you know, uh, we have federal and agencies that are designed to go ahead and stop the use of defective products, drugs, etc. Right. And part of the issue is, is there a saturation point? 
because if the government engaged in all of that public relations, all of that education, at what point does the public just go ahead and say, okay, enough, I'm not going to listen anymore. Right, okay. so you have to pick and choose. So is the reason that some of that stuff is 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 not made okay so we have two things at work here sorry let me finish the thought we have two things at work here which is one the gillette amendment which limits the amount that the government can do that and then two the government's own self-imposed limitation of there's only so many times i should say this because it will stop being effective if i continue to say it or i you know or i'm not saying it effectively so you yes. have both of those streams working together to sort of limit, but but I put to you, I do not believe that public relations has gone away. Oh my goodness, I, no. I, oh, I suspect no, 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 that, no, no, it's, no. that it's gone underground or it's called something else, but- Oh, it, it, it's called something but else. But the urge to brag is extraordinarily human. I can't imagine that the government saying, that the Congress saying, hey, turn that off would actually work. Nia, you're correct. I mean, it's not gone away. Uh, instead, the positions in most executive branch agencies are not called PR people. They get more, um, um, what was the phrase that Orwell used? They, they, <laughs> they, they get more Orwellian. We yes, can use right? that I phrase mean, about him. Okay, but I mean, they're they're entitled now public information officers, right? Or public affairs officers, okay? Communications specialists, facilitators, okay? Um, um, uh, there was a period in the late 1980s, early 1990s when you had total quality uh, management. Um, um, uh, <laughs> the public uh, were not citizens, they were clients. So then oh. you had federal agencies create client relations managers, right? Okay. Buzzwords. Yes, right. That if you were playing drinking bingo, you could get smashed on. Oh my goodness, yes, right. On hearing the buzzwords. Not that uh, we're urging you to do that, just uh, saying it's possible. This was in the, the 1990s. Uh, the Republicans in the House of Representatives um, uh, formally requested the Office of Management and Budget in the Clinton administration to do a study um, of how many federal employees were designated as quote unquote information specialists and OMB stopped counting after they got to 5,000. <laughs> 5,000. So it's not that the, the, the federal government, particularly the executive branch, doesn't have the capacity to do good public relations. The issue becomes, as you just pointed out, how do you do it effectively depending on a particular purpose or a particular situation or a particular context, right? I mean, how do you do it effectively? So again, if we go back to the example, Nia, of COVID-19, okay, part of the issue, as you pointed out a few moments ago, is what should be the targeted public, okay, for a given presidential administration's PR, if you will, strategy, 
Okay, what is the effect of the public? Okay, uh, and, and again, this gets back to the, 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 the fundamental question of when I teach public policy. Who is the public that is being targeted by government policies? Right. Should it be a majority of the public? Well, if that's the case, what about minorities? Or the minority, right? Right. So what okay. about the majority at that point? Like, okay. well, but also majority, I mean, define majority, because at in, in if you're talking about maternal health, that's women. The majority of those folks are women who like, and so reaching them, reaching men with a message about maternal health probably is a waste of your time and effort for the most part. Men care about women who are pregnant, but they cannot do anything about women who are pregnant. Like they can't make them eat differently or take medications or do whatever. So like what, even within something like that, how do you figure out which targeted group? And then how do you get to them without getting to everybody else? Yeah, so I mean, you know, for instance, you know, Nia, uh, you and I have discussed this um, uh, w with our colleague, uh, Judy Twig, um, in a previous podcast episode about um, uh, COVID-19, okay, as a pandemic, okay? Who do you target, okay, for the government's public health efforts, right? Um, and um, there are certain populations, okay, who will do what the government wants them to do to respond to a public health crisis, right? You know, they will wear their masks, they will get the vaccination, you know, they will socially distance, okay? Those millions of people, okay, you could basically just go ahead and roll it out in one press conference and they will follow it, okay, until they are told otherwise. But then think about all of the subpopulations in the United States who have not followed individual components of the public health response of the government, right? So, you know, Nia, okay, and listeners, you probably know folks um, who are vehemently opposed to getting vaccinated. So why don't they wanna get vaccinated, right? So you have to mine down even deeper Right. Okay. Right. Because it's a different message if they're doing it for a religious reason than if they're doing it for a health reason, than if they're doing it for a political reason, right? Or social pressure reason. Like those are all going to be different messages to different to populations. Encourage them, right. To encourage them to stretch their boundaries a little bit. Okay. You know, how do you go ahead and convince people that after a year and a half plus of wearing masks that they might have to wear masks again? Right. That's a current question that's people okay. are, are like, but I'm vaccinated. Okay. Why do um, I have to wear a mask? Right. So there's, and there's science, scientific reasons for that, but which we're not well, going to get into here, but. Or, um, or, or, or what about social distancing? Right. Right. Okay. Um, you know, for a lot of people going just one or two months without seeing people, 
without having close contact with others, okay, is 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 debilitating mentally. Right. Okay. Um, psychologically. For others, for instance, somebody like, you know, myself, okay, perhaps you, right? Yeah, you know, go a couple months, then what's the big deal, right? Well, and Zoom is enough for some people. Yeah, whereas right? others, you know, they want to be in the room, they want right. the conversation, they want the energy, they want to see, you know, real time, okay, you know, no more than six inches away, somebody else's <laughs> face, okay? Right. Um, so here, and this gets at the difficulty here, right? Okay. But then, then you throw on science. And this has been one of the biggest criticisms of first the Trump administration, but now the Bush administration. Okay. How do you accurately, but also effectively convey, okay, the evolving science, okay, in response to a public health crisis. Right. It's a moving and target. This, and this is where you're starting to see a lot of criticism, for instance, of uh, Dr. Fauci, um, but also the current uh, director of the Center Centers for Disease Control, uh, Dr. Lewinsky, okay? Um, can I, can I, make a suggestion yeah. here for just a moment sometimes the other thing that happens and i think that that may be happening with dr fauci a little right now and has happened with other people in the past is there's person fatigue mm. where you you get tired yes. of hearing it from a person um I'm not in any way, I'm not a smoker. I don't um, promote smoking. In fact, I would urge people strongly not to start and to stop if they possibly can. It's so detrimental to your health. But remember Surgeon General Coop, who said he that pretty, pretty much said it every time he opened his mouth. Like he would say, I'd like white wine with dinner. And by the way, stop smoking. Like, I mean, he just, it was a constant thing for him. And it, in part, it's because smoking was at that point, there was the whole thing with the, the industry and trying to say, oh, it's not addictive, even though they knew it was addictive. And, but he, he pushed that message so much that I think there were smokers that stopped listening because they had heard from him over and over and over and over and over again. He was the front face of that effort. Yes. And I wonder if, if Dr. Fauci is also, if, if people are a little fatigued with Dr. Dr. Fauci, and if maybe there should have been more of a team and less of a one person that was in the media that made a lot of appearances and that kind of thing. Particularly when that, person is so unwilling to go ahead and budge from certain certain talking points so i i find i find your example of uh, uh surgeon general c everett coop uh to be rather fascinating because coop was so unwilling to go ahead and budge from that particular message right right i mean it got to a point to where members of congress who were supportive of his message, okay, stopped having him testify 
at congressional hearings. Right. right? Okay. Um, he was Surgeon General, at least for one administration, the Reagan administration, who stopped inviting him to public health meetings because the rest of the White House was so tired of him just beating them over the head with that message, right? right? Okay. And it's not that it's a bad message. Message. It's just that it, 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 there's it, fatigue. There's fatigue there, there, in the message. There's and fatigue. then you also, a lot of times those people are what I call true believers, which means that when they are confronted with a member of Congress who pushes their buttons in some way, then when they're testifying or when they're speaking, they can get a little... Um, Oh, they get Barky, dismissed, sort of, rah, 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 and and dismissive they, and rude and hostile. I mean, right. and, we're, and, and in, we in part, this. the other thing is, if there's a team of people, you don't. Nobody knows how to push your buttons, all of you. But once they've gotten to know you, they know exactly how to push your buttons. So it's like when the press used to be in in Rumsfeld's um, press conferences, they knew how to rile him up faster than just about anything because they hung around with him all the time and they knew how to get under his skin. And, and um, I think Rand Paul has discovered how to get under Dr. Fauci's skin. Um, yeah, I mean, listeners, um, uh, Nia just gave the example of uh, then Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld during the Bush 43 presidential administration. Uh, Rumsfeld frequently held press conferences to discuss how the United States was doing post 9-11 in Iraq and Afghanistan, okay? But the questions about Iraq in particular just annoyed Rumsfeld to no end, okay? Because yeah. um, his attitude was, we made a decision. Congress has given us the authorized use of military force, and this is what we're going to do. And the press should go ahead and you know, basically, you know, rah rah rah, rally behind the flag, and they right. weren't rallying behind the flag. No, and they Rumsfeld, they kept saying, and we're doing this because. Yeah, and Rumsfeld was just like, I answered that question three months ago, and the press was just like, yeah, but there's new evidence, and Rumsfeld was just like, yeah, well, um, we've discounted that evidence. Next question, <laughs> right? Right. Okay, he, I mean... he was just openly dismissive of the press corps. Right? So I do, I do think that if you're an agency, you have to be careful who's speaking for you. Yeah, because, because, I mean, because you can now, really get that boogered up pretty quickly. Uh, well, and now both liberals and conservatives love it when Fauci goes to Congress and testifies in front of the United States Senate and Senator Rand Paul from <laughs> Kentucky, okay, gets the floor. Okay, the, the meme machine goes oh. on okay overdrive right oh yeah it's it's a popcorn event like I mean, li liberals it, are just like fauci just you know handed you know Rand paul his lunch and conservatives are like Rand paul went ahead and exposed fauci okay for the duplicitous you know <laughs> you know uh uh uh, uh schemer uh, that he is you know government official that he is right yep Oh, yeah, no, both sides think they win. And in fact, I'm not entirely certain anybody wins. But what more importantly, the message of both sides gets muddled. And it gets, yeah, and, 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 and part of the difficulty here is, and, and uh, Nia, you've heard me say this, 
um, and a number of my colleagues in the political science department have heard me say this, the difficulty or the criticism I've had of both the Trump administration first and now the Biden administration second in regards to this uh, COVID-19 public health crisis is the unwillingness to acknowledge that the science is going to be ever-changing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. Okay. That. But presidents and, don't like to come across as not knowing facts. No. And, 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 and this kind of sort of reminds me, and I know listeners, you're probably tired of, of me and I referencing this old TV show. Okay. But this does remind me of a West Wing episode. Um, uh, at, at least part of it is, uh, uh, is entitled Green Beans. Okay. Um, uh, this is a West Wing episode uh, where uh, President Bartlett's um, a bag person, a door person, uh, Charlie, uh, responds to uh, a foodie magazine who uh, asks, uh, what does President Bartlett like or dislike in regards to food? And Charlie reports that President Bartlett likes steak, he likes lobster, but he doesn't like green beans. And the West Wing staff goes just bonkers because they're just like, You well, can't say did, that. How you did you say, say that? that? There how are thousands you, of green bean farmers and what if in, they... In, yeah, in, in, particularly in, in, in states that we barely won in the last election, right? And Charlie's just like befuddled, right? Because Charlie's like, he doesn't like green beans. He doesn't say that green bean farmers are bad people. He just doesn't like green beans, right? Right. But no presidential administration wants to come out and say something, okay, that would suggest that they don't know or what they do know will upset people, right? right. They hedge, right? They say, well, you know, hey, if we get to this threshold, then we should return to normal, okay? You know, right. What they could have said was, if we get 75% or 70% of the population vaccinated, it should lead us back to being able to do certain things. But there are caveats. Right. And one of the, well, most, and and one, one of the most important caveats is the Delta variant, right. right? Barring Delta and Lambda, now we've got a Lambda variant. Like, it... You know, it's a disease, people. We can't predict it entirely. Yes. That's what they should have said. But both Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and I think, frankly, every person who's ever sat in the White House, does not like admitting they don't know, or I don't think they're comfortable with ambiguity when it comes to their image, right? They want to lead with, well, of course. I know things and I'm the president and you should have confidence in me. And, you know, and I think that's probably natural for that job. But the problem is when you get a disease, there is no predict. I mean, you can predict some stuff, but some stuff is always going to be, what is it? Rumsfeld's known unknowns, right? Like it's yes. going to be, there's going to be something, by the way, in case listeners want to want to watch that episode, it's called Galileo and it's a fabulous episode. Um, of West Wing. But 
it, it, it that scene ends with Charlie with um, CJ saying to him, uh, this is a real problem because in an election year, everybody is stupid. And he says, no, everybody's treated like they're stupid. Yes. And that's part of the problem. If you had been, if, if, if there is a level of honesty with the American public of, we have no idea if this is going to work or not, we're going to try it. We're going to see if it works. And if it doesn't, we're going to come back with something different. But instead, you get these sort of solid messages of, okay, everybody wash their groceries. And then six months later, okay, forget washing your groceries. And like, wait, did the science change or did you not know at the beginning and you took the hardest line possible? Like it undermines confidence. Yes. Whereas if you'd started off by saying, we don't know, so we're going to tell you to do a bunch of stuff, hoping that some of this spaghetti will stick to the wall when we throw it, right? Like, so we're going to ask you to wear a mask and social distance, and and we're going to ask you to wash things. And as we figure out what doesn't work, we will tell you, and you can stop doing that. But that's not what they did. They came out with these sort of edicts, and then they lost people's confidence. I think a lot of people now don't want the vaccine because... They are, they have lost confidence in the entire system. Yeah, and and and, and that's what I'm afraid. Me too. Okay. Um, and, and again, I, I do this for somewhat you know personal selfish reasons, right? Uh, as longtime listeners know, I have a nine year old. Uh, for the last year and a half, um, she's done virtual learning. Um, she's supposed to go back in person, um, and. But and she I'm not can't in, get a vaccine yet, right? You cannot get a vaccine yet, right? Right. Um, I mean, in, 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 you want to talk about a PR problem? Think about the subpopulations who are wondering why the FDA, okay, has not given final approval to the current vaccines. Right. Okay. We've tried them out on... 45% of the population, now's probably an okay time to say, well, this was a big study <laughs> with lots of participants. I mean, okay. Um, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Nia, but you know, I've, I've watched, I've read the transcripts of a number of press conferences coming from the Surgeon General, the Centers for Disease Control, the FDA, and I can't recall any of them actually explaining the approval process for the vaccines. No, they have not. Other people have had to step in and do that. The media has stepped in and done that, I think. Um, But they have not explained their process. So it seems opaque to people. And it seems random, which, again, not building confidence. but I'm, I also have selfish reasons because, um, and I think Nia, uh, you and I are on the same page on this. Um, you know, we work at a place to where, you know, we have contact with, okay, one of the subpopulations that hasn't been vaccinated. Right. Okay. Or they have the opportunity to be vaccinated, but their vaccination rates, okay, um, aren't all that high okay um and in in, in again why is it that this particular population 
okay, that's been bombarded with all this information and with all these ex exhortations that they get vaccinated still aren't getting vaccinated. Yeah, and I, I mean, VCU has a relatively high vaccination rate. Yes. But, um, and we're fortunate for that, I think, because uh, I think that other schools that aren't requiring are not seeing as high a vaccination rate among their young people. And I suspect that part of that is mixed message. That's the other thing is they're getting messages on social media. They're getting messages from friends that say, we don't need to, it's fine. We'll be fine. We're young. We can handle it, blah, blah, blah. Or young people just don't need it if they're healthy. Um, and then they're getting the message from the government of, oh, no, everybody needs it. And they're getting messages from their university that says it's mandated. So like there's a whole if I were them, it would be really complicated for me to try to figure out who yeah. was giving me the best information. And it doesn't help them that the information is evolving. So, you know, um, and, and, and some of this is gener uh, generational. Right. Um, I mean, uh, 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 Nia, uh, this past uh, uh, weekend, um, uh, I, I uh, got to spend some time with uh, a colleague and good friend, Chris Saladino. And, you know, we're of a generation to where, you know, starting at the age of like one and a half, we were vaccinated. Right. right. Okay. Right. I, I had the MMR. I had the, all the different things. Right. When I came to college uh, for the Homeland Security program, they said, have you had a meningitis vaccine? And I said, I don't know. And they said, well, then you have to get one. And I said, OK, like I'm not resistant in any way because my generation yeah. was we just took vaccine. If somebody told you you had to have one. You rolled up your sleeve and you got a vaccine. So everybody in my generation, yeah, our generation is used to it. And 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 so you know uh, the, the conversation I had with you know with with, with my colleague uh, in, in, uh, Chris Saladino was, the, you know, and I went back and I researched this. Ours was the first American generation that got max vac vaccinated, right? Mm -hmm. Because our parents' generation was the generation to where they actually came up with vaccines to deal with things like polio and smallpox and chickenpox. Tuberculosis. Yeah. yeah, TB, et cetera, right? But, you know, before that, okay, the idea that the government might put a shot into your body Okay, was completely unheard of, right? right? Completely unheard of, right? right? That's not going to be the government that does that. So, you know, and, think about, you know, the, and the now we're to the point where not only did the government come up with a vaccination for this thing, but it's free. Well, like, it, it, in it, our it, generation, parents had to pay for that. They had to pay for that at the pediatrician. And yes. it probably wasn't very expensive, but they still had to pay for it. And now the government's like, I will give it to you if you will just take it, right? Like, um, and, and, and now we see government jurisdictions that are paying people or uh, uh, enrolling them in lotteries. Okay, yes. okay, and and, and 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 I even joked with Saladino, man, I should have held out for a couple of months, right? <laughs> I said that not too long ago. I visited North Carolina, and uh, they are currently giving a hundred dollars 
to yes. college age students. And I was like, man, that's better than selling your plasma. Just wait a minute and then go over there and get it. But my mother said that is not even funny um, because my mother I mean, is know, an Saladino, elderly person. Yeah, and, Saladino, Saladino and I went to, uh, to Yankee Stadium, you know, to see a couple of Yankees games. Okay, while we're waiting in line, okay, <laughs> to be admitted into the ballpark, there were signs everywhere, okay? If you come out next week, okay, and get vaccinated at the stadium, you get two free tickets for the bleachers. I'm almost just like, dude. I'll be back. Need, I'll be back to get another vaccine. <laughs> we planned this wrong, right? Okay. Uh, but, but again, you know, uh, what? what is the most effective messaging, right? Right, right it, because some of that lottery stuff is not working. Some, yeah. it's people who are truly dug in about this and really don't want it, you could offer them a billion dollars and they don't want it. It's, they're afraid for reasons. And, and simply saying, get over it is not effective, right? No. That's not, that's not going to work. And I think that that so far has kind of been the tack that both administrations have taken is sort of the, well, you just do it because, you know, you need to do it. That's not getting at the reason that some people are resistant and owning things, owning reasons, legitimate reasons why people are resistant would be more helpful in those messages. And, but, and, 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 and this is probably my closing statement for this podcast episode. What we just got done discussing with this example of messaging in a COVID or, you know, a, a public health crisis is part of, really does demonstrate, Nia, the difficulty of doing effective public relations for the government. Yeah. Okay. There's um, 336 million of us and we're all individuals because we're Americans and Americans believe in individualism. Yes. Pretty it, much it, that's the hill we die on. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, right. Okay. That, it, that's all our, of us. That's our hill. That's our <laughs> Omaha Beach, right? Yep, you know, World, World War II <laughs> reference, right? Okay. Yeah, that's that the is one. The, that is the metaphorical line in the sand to where we're like, don't you dare cross that, right? right. And so, okay. you, coming up with 336 million messages, tough, tough. It's a hard thing to do. I, I'm criticizing lovingly because I criticize because I don't think it went as well as it could have gone. Um, and I think maybe hiring professionals would have been a good thing, except they can't because it's against the law. But they do all kinds of stuff that's against the law. They probably could have done that too, um, she said bitterly. But I also, I think you're right that, the, that it shows the complexity of oh. reaching hundreds of different kinds of communities how do you talk to the BIPOC communities and and they're not all the BIPOC communities are not the same right so you have to talk to the various like there's no monoliths that you can get your hands around um to try to convince people so yeah it's I been a having, tough tough uh yeah tough I was road. having a conversation Nia um uh with somebody uh the other day who's openly critical of um uh, identity politics in group politics, right? And, you know, they were like, you know, if so many Americans identify, okay, by particular characteristics or as membership in groups, shouldn't the government be able to target their message 
to individual groups. And I said, but you're assuming that everybody in the group, okay, receives messages the same way. Right. Okay. Mass communication studies tell us that's not the case, right? Okay. It might be cost efficient to think that. Okay. But again, you know, just think about, for instance, older religious people and you and I are, you know, you know, we have family members who fall into that category, right? Older religious people, right? You know, my mother and my grandmother couldn't wait to get vaccinated. On yeah, the my other parents hand, either. okay, on the other hand, Nia, I go to church every weekend, okay, with folks who are older and religious, and they're not gonna get vaccinated. Well, because if the Lord wants to take me that way, he can take me that way. Exactly. And so their okay, yeah. So their how, faith you know, in, in their in religion is stronger than their faith in the government. Yes, right. Okay, how do you go? So ahead how do you and, reach them? <laughs> yeah, how do you reach them? Or how God, do you reach? God called. He'd like you to take this vaccine, please. Right? Like, I yeah. mean, they're not going to believe that, especially from a heathen, somebody who's not of their faith or not of their, you know, or or, 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 or the, you know, you know, even excluding politics right you know you know you know, um, you know some states are you know uh, more republican than democrat other states are more democratic than republican even if you include partisan politics okay i mean think about for instance um uh, uh um how um those who have been vaccinated and who are more willing to wear masks okay tend to be in the upper economic and social classes right so how do you reach and this has been a problem historically when the government wants to do things for okay the lower economic and social classes how do you reach them right okay because these are the groups who historically okay have very little efficacy they don't believe in the system they don't believe in government Right. Okay. They're and, wildly distrustful and with good, with, in many cases, good reason. And for good reason, right? right? Okay. And this isn't a partisan politics thing. This is a fact that we have people in this country who are like, the government has left us behind. The system doesn't work for me. And now they are telling me to go ahead and put a shot in my arm, okay, where the government, okay, experts have not got given official approval to. Right. Okay. Right. The FDA holding off approval is troubling. It's troubling for me. And I understand the system more than other people because I'm, I study government just like you study government. If it's troubling for us, I can't imagine what it is for people to whom the government is just a mystery just a giant mystery that occasionally comes in wreaks havoc on their lives and then goes on it's like a black hole for them so i i have enormous sympathy i i still I mean, think that people should get vaccinated i think that our final sure. message should be please get vaccinated if you can if you're physically able to um some people can't because of their health conditions but it will protect you. It will protect your family. It will protect your friends' kids. I mean, part of the reason I got vaccinated was because of Mac and kids like Mac that I can't, I can't protect any other way than to try to not make them sick. Um, same with my elderly parents. So, 
but but the other message we have is for the government. Augie and I would like to tell y'all if you're listening, could y'all just get your act together, please? <laughs> yes. And if you need pointers, call us. <laughs> we will be happy to help because neither one of us is a PR person, so you could hire us and you wouldn't be breaking the law. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just saying. Hey, thanks, Augie. This is complicated, and I suspect we'll be back with it again at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. Because um, I don't think we're done. I don't no, think I, we're. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and by the way, I really don't like the Greek, Greek alphabet right now because, <laughs> <laughs> because if, I, if I see another new strain. Of... That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like hurricanes. I'm, I'm starting to get nervous about the various names, what letter we're on. When you yeah. start getting up into the H's and the I's and the J's, then it's nerve wracking. Yeah, because you're just like, oh, good Lord, we have another 10 letters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nia, have a good weekend. You too. All right, bye. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.